If you missed last Sunday, I highly recommend you watch it online and uh, stay up to date with this series. Uh, this place was on fire last week with the Holy Spirit, and I hope that that's captured uh, some a little bit if you watch it online. We mentioned last week that there are four bolds in this, in this series, a series called Bold. Last Sunday was Bold Prayer. Today is Bold Faith. Then it's going to be Bold Witness. And then the fourth one is Bold Worship. Uh, many of you left here last week telling us how, how God had been speaking to you about b- being more bold in your prayer life. Um, several of you reached out to us during the week and, uh, and shared with us how God was with you during the week and giving you opportunities to be, to be more bold. And you were taking those opportunities. And it's always good uh, to hear those things. Our main point last Sunday was this. We'll put her up on the screen here. Bold prayers don't focus on the size of the problem. They have faith in the size of their God. The, the bigger the problem, the bigger your problem or our problem, whatever it is, the bigger the problem, the greater the potential for God to do something incredible in your life. So don't look at your life as though it is full of problems See your life as full of potential for God to do the impossible. That's, that's a totally different way of looking at things. Don't focus on the size of your problems, but, but focus your faith on the size of your God. Another thing we did last week was we, we defined weird church. And we said, we don't want to be normal. We don't want to be boring. Uh, we don't want to be average. Normal churches... Have a, have a small handful of people who carry the entire prayer load of the whole church. You've seen this be true, where there's just, there's just this remnant, there's just this, this small uh, core of faithful people, prayer warriors, who carry the whole prayer load of the entire church. Weird church, weird church is the opposite. Weird church has a, a small group of people who aren't quite there yet, and the rest of the church, the whole, you know, the vast majority of the church are prayer warriors because prayer is the engine that drives the church. And we're kidding ourselves if we think that we're going to see a spiritual breakthrough in Moncton without a massive prayer movement behind it. The door, there's the prayer warriors. There's the prayer warriors. Preach it, preach it. The door of revival is opened with prayer. And when God sets us on fire to pray like never before, we will see his spirit poured out like never before. But before we get there, we've got to have faith, faith, faith. You've got to have faith, faith, faith. Here's the Bible's definition of faith. Uh, this is Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. There's an equation in this verse for faith. And here's here's the faith equation from Hebrews 11, verse 1, that confidence plus hope equals assurance. Confidence plus hope equals assurance. How do I get faith? Or how do I get more faith? How do I build my faith? How do I go from shaky faith to a fully devoted, fire-breathing faith. Like, how do, I, how do I get that? Well, confidence comes from knowing who God is. 
Confidence comes from knowing, you know, what has God done in the past? Who has God been in the past? How has he kept his promises? And, and you get these things by, by studying God's word and memorizing scripture and, 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 just, and just letting God speak to you, letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through his word. You also get this by, from walking with the Holy Spirit walking in faith with God and, 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 and being attentive to and submissive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you're following God's will and when you're listening to God's plan for your life and you're living that out, it will build, it'll build your faith. You also get it from talking to other believers and being in fellowship and in community with other Christians and hearing their stories and hearing what God is, is doing in other people's lives. When you, when you hear Natalie Harrison's story of how God was with her through her husband's illness and, and, and like the story that Pastor Dave shared this morning, and you hear these things, it, it should do something to, to encourage you to, to build your faith. Um, having good friends who can, who can speak into your life will help build your faith. And the more, uh, being part of a Bible-preaching, Jesus-worshiping church, right, is a, is a big part of that. Like, when, 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 you, when you miss church, you sh- it should feel like, like something is, actually, is truly missing. And when you come to church, it should build your faith, it should encourage you, it should, it should, it should fire you up. That's, uh, that's part of the, the point of it. So the more that you put your confidence in God, the more confident you will be of your faith, being confident of who God is, what has God done in the past, and you, you trust him, and you, you just get to know God better as you walk in relationship with him. Now, confidence is about what we know to be true, what we know to be true about God, and hope is what we're expecting to be true. So confidence and hope, those two things together, looking back and looking ahead, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, gives us an assurance about the future. And there are centuries of reasons for you to leave here this morning. Like, I mean, if you, if you consider all that God has done for all of eternity, there are, there are centuries of reasons for you to leave here this morning with your faith tank full and fired up, okay? And there are, and then beyond all the centuries, right here in this very room this morning, there are literally thousands of stories, faith stories in this room this morning, that if we had time to share every one of them, if you could hear the stories of faith in this room of how I I didn't know how it was going to happen, and I trusted God, and this is what God has done in my life, if you could hear the stories over and over and over of how God never failed me, and God never left me, and God was always with me, if you could hear those things over and over this morning, you would blast out of here like a holy rocket ready to storm hell with a water gun and a fly swatter. Your, your faith would just be, you know, just explode. Like, I mean, you'd be full. So that's, that's Hebrews 11.1. 1. And then the writer of Hebrews goes, goes on for 10 or 11 verses, and he gives us the faith hall of fame, right? The great giants of the faith and their exploits and how God honored their faith. But watch what happens in verse 13 of Hebrews 11. Watch what happens. Where the writer says all these people, the giants, the giants of the faith, all these people died, still believing what God had promised them. They did not, they did not receive what was promised. 
They, they just saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. it and it never happened. They, they, they didn't see it. They died waiting for the promises of God. Now their faith wasn't conditional on their circumstances. I'm guilty of doing that. I can do that. I'm guilty of that. My faith going up and, you know, looking around at your circumstances. So these 11, Hebrews 11, 13 people, their faith was not conditional on their circumstances. Their faith was centered on God's character. Not conditional on circumstances. Center your faith on God's character, on, on who God is. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, if we could keep our eyes on Jesus 24-7, how that would change our lives. Hold on to his promises even if, even if they don't happen in your lifetime like the people in Hebrews 11 verse 13. Hold on to them. Keep, stay focused on them and you will have faith. Now what do you do when it seems like the promise God gave you is dead? How do you hold on to your faith when your dream is going down the drain? What does it look like to have a bold faith when you feel like throwing up your arms and just giving up? Second Kings chapter four tells us about a, a wealthy woman from the town of Shunem, and we call her the, the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman who wants to show her appreciation to the prophet Elisha. She recognizes that Elisha is a man of God and he stops at her house in his travels and she wants to show her appreciation. So she talks to her husband and she convinces her husband that they should build a room at, on the top of their house, out on their, 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 the roof of their house. Let's build a room there, an upper room for Elisha and his assistant Gehazi. Let's give them a nice, comfortable place to stay so when they're traveling through the area, they can stop here and rest and enjoy the room. And so on one particular day, Elisha and Gehazi are traveling through. Maybe it's been a long day. Maybe it's been a hot day. And they stop and they're, they're, they get their feet up. They're drinking an iced tea. You know, they're just enjoying the breeze. And they're, they're so thankful for this, this comfortable room that the Shunammite woman has built for them. And, 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 and uh, Elisha says to Gehazi, go find the Shunammite woman and see if there's anything that we can do for her to show her our appreciation. I'm so thankful for this room, this wonderful room that she built for us on the top of her house. And Elisha says to Gehazi, you know, uh, go see, maybe we can put in a good word for her to the, to the king or to the commander of the army. Like maybe we can uh, do, maybe there's something that she needs that we can do for her. So Gehazi goes and finds the Shunammite woman and tells her this, that, that we'd like to do something nice for you because you did something great for us. And she declines and she says, oh no, I'm, I'm good. My family takes good care of me. I, I have everything that I need. And, uh, but Elisha and Gehazi can't drop it. And they're like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something that we can do for this, for this wonderful woman. They really want her to know how much they appreciate her kindness. Gehazi gets this bright idea. And he says to Elisha, well, you know, she doesn't have a son. And her and her husband are, how do we say this, chronologically challenged. They're beyond the years of having children. Now, at this point, if I'm Elisha, I'm either thinking, Gehazi, 
You are the greatest assistant pastor of all time because you believe that your pastor can do anything. Or you are out of touch reality and you need to calm down. <laughs> like, I want to plant her a tree or something. Like, 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 but that's not what Elisha does. Elisha doesn't blink. He's a great idea. Yeah, let's give her a son. Go get her and bring her in. And so she comes into the room and Elisha prophesies to her, that he, and he says to her, about this time next year, you will be holding a son. Now, the scripture says in 2 Kings 4 that the Shunammite woman comes unglued. Not, not with joy, but with like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe some of you folks would feel this way if God told you today you were going to have a son. And when she says to him, don't get my hopes up like this. Like, like I'm not a young person, and, and I don't want to, don't, don't deceive me, and, and don't, why would you do this to me? Like, this is an awful thing to say to somebody of my, you know, of my um, uh, vintage. And she's like, you know, don't, don't do this to me. Don't get my hopes up. And, and through the story, we see the faith of this Shunammite woman. We see it grow. We see it go from, from here to, you know, Right, just off the, off the charts. Because she gets a confidence in, in who God is. And she gains hope in the promises of God, and God becomes her assurance. Several times in Scripture, uh, God chooses to bring a child into the arms of, of chronologically challenged parents. And he brings life where there is no life. This is what God does. We saw that in the, the baptism of Lance this morning. God brings life where there was no life. He brings hope into disappointment. He takes a situation that looks impossible, and everybody knows that it's impossible. Everybody in town says, she ain't, she, she ain't having a kid. It's not, she's, she's not having a kid. It ain't happening. And, and out of their hopelessness, he delivers unmistakable evidence of mercy and grace. You see, it was always God's plan to bring his own son into the world through a supernatural birth. And all of these other examples in Scripture, they point to Jesus. They point to God's faithfulness. And so despite all the odds, she does become pregnant, and about a year later, she has a boy. And uh, she finally has a son, someone who can keep the family name, someone who can keep the, the family property. This is a big deal. Now let's pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 18. 2 Kings chapter 4 wait till the preacher gets there. Hold on hold on. It's all the way back here. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 18. One day when the child was older this is the boy that the Shunammite woman had. When the child was older he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. And suddenly the boy cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. And his father did what most men would do in a critical situation like this. And he says to one of his servants, take him home to his mother. Is that not typical? <laughs> Are you good for anything? Which, you know, but anyhow, no. He says, take, take the boy home to his mother. Verse 20. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. That's Elisha's bed. 
She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God, Elisha, and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon nor a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said it will be all right. Now, a few months earlier, she didn't have faith to believe that she could have a boy. And now that she's seen what God can do, she doesn't lose faith even when she's lost her child. Even when the dream dies on her lap, she doesn't lose faith even though she's lost her child. See, loss in life doesn't have to mean a loss in faith. It doesn't have to mean. How many times have have we said, it's too far gone? This one's toast. Or, you don't know my story. Or, if you were in my situation, you would give up too. And she doesn't even grieve. She goes straight into the faith mode. She is a mom on a mission in the faith mode. Don't mess with a mom on a mission in the faith mode. And her husband can't even tell from from the way that she's, her face and everything else, he can't even tell that the boy's dead. From her body language and everything else. She's not not there yet. She's not ready to be grieving in her loss yet. She is still believing in her hope and she carries her dead child up to Elisha's bed. This was Elisha's idea and I'm going to put Elisha's idea right on Elisha's bed. This is Elisha's problem. Mom on a mission is going to go find Elisha and she's going to bring Elisha back to his special room and she's going to make him fix the problem. And she sends word to her husband that she needs a donkey. She needs a fast donkey. Is there such a thing as a fast donkey? I don't know. But they, they can tell by the look on her face. Get her the fastest donkey we have. She's got to run a quick errand. She's going to be back soon. And look at her bold statement of faith at the end of verse 23 where she says it will be all right. It's not all right. It's not all right, but it's going to be all right. It will be all right. Now, this is not normal faith. This is weird. This is is a weird kind of faith. This is faith that is fueled by what she already knows to be true about God. It's It's her confidence in God and her hope for the future that gives her this assurance. She had already carried the promise of God full term. She nursed him and she raised him and she watched him grow. There was no denying that God had already done great things in her life. And even though she carried a lifeless dream to the roof of her home, she was not ready to let that dream go. What do you do? What do you do when there seems to be no hope? God, why did you bring me this far? Why did you give me this dream in the first place? Why is my child not living for you? Why is my marriage at the, at the brink? Why can't I find a job? Why is my health failing? Why did my spouse die? God, you gave me a dream, and I believed it, and now it seems like the dream is gone. What do I do? And what we see in this, this woman is what the writer of Hebrews wrote about. We see a faith that is filled with confidence and hope. She stays focused on her faith, and she takes one more bold step after another without ever losing her hope. 
But there is a word in all of this that, that God keeps giving me as pastor of this church. It's this. We, all of us, we, all of us, all y'all, myself included, we need a bold faith to believe that God can resurrect, he can restore, and he can rebuild anything, anything, anything. You see, that's where we'll find the promises of God to be true when we refuse to give up. And when we say, well, I'm not walking out, or I'm not going to stop praying, and I'm not going to stop believing, and I'm just, I'm just going to stay on that, and I'm not giving up until, until, until God comes into this situation and resurrects it, restores it, or rebuilds it. Even if there's no pulse, and everyone around says, give up, we need to pray through until we break through. We need a bold faith, Mountain Westland, that refuses to give up, or give in, or let go. We need massive, massive amounts of faith. Massive amounts of bold faith and bold prayers to be poured over every area of our lives until we see situations reversed and things that look dead coming back to life in the name of Jesus. You see, impossible is just potential waiting for the power of God. That's all it is. Impossible is potential waiting for for the power of God. And I believe that bold faith and bold prayer and getting on our donkey and doing something about these things, not just throwing our hands up and saying, oh well, but, but doing something about these things can resurrect some dire situations and we can have some stories in 2016 of what God did and who God is and how God rescued someone or something that the world thought was lost forever. We serve, thanks Shirley, we serve, listen, we serve a rescuing, restoring, reviving, rebuilding, resurrecting God. That's what God does. That's who God is. Verse 24, so she saddled the supersonic donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't you slow down unless I tell you to. Can't you picture this? Isn't this great? And as she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance, and he said to Gehazi, uh-oh, this does not look good. <laughs> we in trouble. He says, look, the woman from Shunan is coming. You go out and meet her. He says to his servant, I'm not going, you go out. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? And, and, and the woman says to Gehazi, yeah, she said, everything's fine. She brushes him out of the way. But when she came to the man of, the God, man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of Elisha's feet. And Gehazi began to push her away. And the man of God said, leave her alone. She's deeply trembled. But the Lord has not told me what it is. And then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Field trip, road trip. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly. And, and, and Gehazi must have, been, must have been the fast one. He says to Gehazi, go take my, take my staff, Elisha's staff. Every prophet had a staff. Take my staff. Go quickly. Lay the staff on a child's face. The boy's mother said, oh, no, you don't. Don't send your stick. You're coming with me. Don't mess with a mom on a mission. And as sure, she says, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself, like if you want to live, 
I am not going home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her, smart man. Verse 31. Verse 31, Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him the child is dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead. Lying there on the prophet's bed, he went in alone, shut the door behind him and prayed. Prayed. You think it was a bold prayer? Prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. He stretched out on him. The child's body began to grow warm again. Yep. And Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother. He said, when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet, bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. She took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. You have the faith of a desperate mother who just wants her child back. You have the faith of a praying prophet who is looking to God for direction. See, Elisha's first idea was, was Gehazi, take my stick and run ahead and, and put the stick on the body. But he didn't pray about that. The Bible says he didn't pray about that. It just seemed like, here, take my stick and go. There was no, there was no, there was no prayer in that decision. Just take the stick and, and run. He instinctively, he just decided, let's, let's do something that we've seen God do before. Take the stick and put it on the boy. But without prayer, without prayer, our good ideas, even ideas that we've seen work before, they, they have no power without prayer. The staff did nothing. The boy was still dead. And so Elisha gets there, and now he prays. And, and, and a bold prayer, I'm sure. And apparently God gives Elisha this bizarre set of instructions. And bold faith follows God's will even when it doesn't make sense. Even when, if, if, you're, if, you're, if people who know you say, you're doing what? You're going where? Like, what, what did God tell you? Are you sure about this? A bold faith follows God's will, God's steps, God's direction in your life, even when it doesn't make sense. Don't argue with God. Don't rationalize with God. Don't negotiate with God. Just listen to him and follow him and be obedient to him. And so he lays on the boy and he puts his mouth on the boy's mouth and his eyes right down on the child's eyes and his hands on his hands and he stretches his body out across the boy's body and the boy's body starts to warm and Elisha gets up and he paces back and forth not sure what to do he goes through the same steps of obedience again because faithfulness is obedience in spite of results just keep doing what God told you to do if you don't see immediate results, stay faithful. Don't change the plan. Don't give up. Just, just do it again. Just keep being obedient for the rest of your life, regardless of the results that you see. And after several steps of faith by several people, and after seven sneezes, the boy opens his eyes, and God can raise her son, the Shunammite woman's son from the dead because he knows that one day he will raise his own son from the dead to save us from our sins. We all have prayers of faith and hope that we desperately want God to fulfill. 
We, we do uh, prayer requests here at the church and, and we encourage people every week to, to write them down and we pray for them as a staff every week and I see requests that, I, that I've seen for years and we pray for you every week and part of my prayer when I, when I see these requests and I see people praying for the salvation of their kids and they've been praying the same prayer for years and when I see it, I don't, I don't say to myself, oh, here we go again. I say, God, give, the, give those parents the faith to never stop praying for their kids, to write down those requests every single week and to believe that those, child, those children are gonna be redeemed by Jesus Christ. Don't ever give up. We all have prayers of faith and hope that we desperately want to see God fulfill. My, my prayer of bold faith, this is mine, is that we would see the doors blown open on this, this, this facility, this building, uh, 945 St. George Boulevard, that we would see the doors blown open on this place for Jesus and that thousands in our generation would, would come uh, to know him as their savior. But if you, if you have something in your life a dream, a vision, a situation that you knew at one time, it was a clear promise from God. God gave you something in your life and, 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 and God told you that, gave you this promise and, and for whatever reason, you had hope but now you're losing hope and it seems like it's, it's dead or it's almost dead and, and, and you're wondering, God, why, why is my dream going down the drain? Why is this happening? I pray for you this morning as your pastor that, that God would fill you with fresh faith today, that God would rekindle your faith and, and, and just stir you up like never before and just tell you, listen, my child, my child, don't give up. Just keep walking in obedience. Just keep following my spirit. Just keep doing what I've, what I've asked you to do and never lose hope, never give up on that. Come back this morning in bold faith, believing that God can resurrect, that God can rebuild, that God can restore anything and be prepared. Be prepared to do whatever God wants you to do with that. Even if it doesn't make sense, don't give up with the first attempt. If the first attempt doesn't work, just keep, just keep following God and, and, and doing what he wants you to do. And if it warms, if you start to see a glimmer of hope, then, then keep believing. And it might sneeze, and it might cough, and, and, and it might be a bit of a roller coaster where you're wondering, is it back? Is it back? I don't know, I don't know. I see, signs of, I see signs of hope. It might take a lot of faith. Come on, stand with me this morning. Stand with me this morning. The band's gonna lead us in a great song. You come right now. Walk out of your seat and come pray here at the front of the church this morning. If God is telling you not to give up, not to lose hope on that situation, not to stop praying for that person, not to stop believing that he can rebuild, restore, resurrect anything in your life, just step up from where you are, come down from the balcony, come in from the atrium. We're going to have a huge time of prayer down front here. If you need to be praying for yourself or someone else, uh, come to God if you need him to rekindle your faith. Come receive some bold faith. Tell the Lord that you're not giving up. You're not giving up on that child. You're not giving up on that marriage. You're not giving up on that health situation or that financial situation. Whatever it is, that child you've been praying for for years or that marriage that's in so much trouble, whatever it is, maybe you've almost lost faith altogether. Maybe you've come to a point where you're, you hardly believe in God. Your faith has gone so dim and so weak that you don't even know what you believe this morning and you need to come back to Christ and you need to say, God, would you just, would you, would you refire, rekindle? Would you give me back my hope, that assurance, that confidence into who you are? God, would you rekindle my faith this morning?
Maybe some of you would come forward this morning just to pray with me for revival in Greater Moncton. Maybe you'd come and just stand here on behalf of somebody in this city, maybe somebody you don't even know who is spiritually lost and needs the hope of Jesus Christ. Let's believe in the salvation of our friends and our neighbors and our relatives and our coworkers. Let's pray together in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, we need you. Oh God, would your Holy Spirit, would your Holy Spirit just pour over us? Would you bring us a fresh fire, a fresh passion and a, and a fresh faith this morning? for who you are, because God, we have so many reasons to look back and be confident about, about who you are, what God has done, who God has been. And Lord, would you fill us today with, with hope and faith for the future? Would you, would you help us not to give up? Would you help us not to be defeated? Would you, would you kick the enemy out of, our, out of our lives and out of our minds and out of our homes and out of our families and out of our relationships, Lord? Would you help us to be totally, totally focused on Jesus Christ 24-7? Would you help us to walk in obedience to your Holy Spirit? Would you help us, God, to, to leave here this morning with, with greater faith than we ever had before, a bold faith that just refuses, that just refuses to be discouraged? God, would you give us uh, hope? Would you remove our fear? Would you remove our hurt? Would you remove our anger? Would you remove our pain? Would you just help us, Jesus? And Lord, give us a fire of obedience because there could be some, some difficult steps in this. And Lord, whatever it is, help us to, to be willing and courageous to take those steps in faith, knowing that you'll be with us. Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, that you would seal this time Seal it with your Holy Spirit. Make it a holy moment that none of us uh, walk away from lightly. As we continue to worship you now, as we continue to praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Stay down.